Well, good morning. So welcome you to uh, Redwood. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here. Uh, we're just a group of people who uh, come together each week and try to take our next step. Uh, that's our mission here is that we exist to help people say yes to that next step, whatever it may be. And we are, I say this all the time, we're nothing special. We're just a group who's trying a little bit more day by day to become a little bit more like Jesus and invite you to, to take that journey with us. I'm curious today as we, we kind of get started, uh, how many of you at some point uh, had a television kind of like this? Okay, I mean, okay, a little, little context here. I, I'm a kid of the 80s and, and the 90s, so I grew up kind of in that, that crossover era when cable TV was just starting to become a thing. And our TVs, I remember as a kid, weren't cable ready, so we had to buy those boxes that went on the top of them. And as a kid, I remember I was the remote, like you had to go up and punch in the numbers on the top of it. And then I remember one time we actually got a remote that was pretty cool. You had to be, I think, three feet away to work, so it didn't really, you know, do a whole lot. But we had these TVs, and I remember my grandparents had one uh, kind of like this down at their trailer at the lake. My grandma actually still has one kind of like this in her home. It's about this wide, about this tall. It weighs about 2,000 pounds. Um, <laughs> takes three people just to move it enough to plug it in, um, one of these days, I think we're just going to sell it with the house. I mean, it's just, it's, it's there. It's not going anywhere. But, but I remember my grandparents had one kind of like this at their trailer uh, down at the lake. And if we wanted to get reception, you know, we had those rabbit ears. And as a kid, I always thought it was like I was important because I was the one who had to grab the rabbit ears and kind of move them around a little bit. You know, and, and I remember my, my, my papa, I'd be moving it and he'd go, stop. Well, then I... I, I think this is an important job until I realize I don't get to watch the show because I'm on the back side of the TV. But that's how you, you have to just maneuver them or, or put them in certain directions. This one goes up higher, this one goes up higher, you know, front to back. Sometimes we had to pull out the secret weapon. You know, you had to get the foil out, wrap it around, maybe, maybe crumple it up. You know, sometimes you had to make like origami, like, okay, let's make, let's make uh, an actual rabbit and we'll put the rabbit on top of the rabbit ears and that's going to increase our... You know, we, we pulled out all the tricks, right? Uh, i never forget this story. Um, was looking back, probably one of the dumbest things I ever did. But when I was in college, I was at the University of Oklahoma. This is uh, the, the fall of 2004, actually just after the first of the year. We're playing in the national championship game. We're playing in the Orange Bowl against USC. And it's sleeting. It's like 20 degrees, and it's sleeting, and it's windy. The roof is covered in ice. And we're watching this. We're holding a watch party for this national championship game. And we're in an old movie theater. where We had one of those old antennas on the top. Guess who gets volunteered to go out and turn this thing around so we get reception? <laughs> Not joking. We're up there for about 15 minutes turning this thing until somebody, there's like a, a relay of four people because we're, it's like out and around and up on this roof. And finally they yell, stop, we've got it. After all that work, we got it finally tuned in so that we could watch OU just get obliterated by USC. We lost 55 to 19 in the national championship game. <laughs> Greatest thing I've ever done right there. But look where we've come now. We've gone from, from using all of those tricks to tune in to we can watch stuff live in high definition. This has got the World Cup happening uh, right here in case anybody's curious what's happening with Croatia and Denmark. It's about to get started. So high definition in my pocket, okay? I can watch whatever I want pretty much from this device right here. And that's kind of how sometimes life is, right? We've gone from adjusting antenna to get a reception to doing different tricks to now we've got high definition. 
And sometimes when it comes to God's will, it's, it's the same thing. Understanding God's will, figuring out God's will, sometimes we have to use every trick in the book. We have to adjust constantly. We have to, you know, sometimes we, we start to hear it and we're like, okay, I got it, don't move, to I can get it on demand. And that's kind of what th- th- this is all about over, over the next few weeks. Just, just curious, on a show of hands, how many of you would say at some point in your life, it doesn't have to be right now, but at some point in your life, you have struggled to tune in and understand God's will for your life? My hand's up. Now, that should, should be all of us. We've all struggled at some point. I'm dense. I'm blunt. I have to have things pretty black and white. I need that flashing neon sign a lot of times saying, go here. I don't ever get that. Uh, and and if, you're, if you're visiting and, and you're, you're kind of checking us out, you're kind of on the fence about this, I'm not going to get down this path of, of, here's how you hear God speak into your ear. I, I've never audibly heard God's voice, okay? I want you to understand that. I've never had that experience like Moses had with the burning bush. Uh, I, I've never seen the face of God or the face of Jesus. I, I read about some guy saw Jesus in his burrito that's never happened to me. I mean, maybe I'm not going to the right restaurants. I don't know, but I've never had that happen to me. That's not what this is about. We're, we're starting this series where we're going to learn kind of how to tap into what God is saying to us. Because here's kind of the thing. We are constantly in our lives trying to figure out what's next. My oldest just finished kindergarten, and they had pictures of all of them holding up a sign saying what they wanted to be when they grow up. They're five and six, and they're already asking them, what do you want to be when you grow up? So they're holding up these signs, and you know, it's kindergartners. It seems like, I want to be a ninja when I grow up, and I'm still trying to figure out how you become a ninja when you grow up, but I want to be a ninja, or I want to be a firefighter, or a professional football player, or a nurse, or Elsie wants to be an optometrist and a pastor. I'm not really sure. I guess she's going to be an overachiever in life. But it doesn't stop there, right? Some of you are in high school. Some of you just graduated high school. What are people asking you all the time? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? What's next? We have to decide and figure it out, and it's hard. I can go back in my life just a few years to when I was there. I came out of high school knowing exactly what I wanted to do with my life. And then I got to college. In my first two years of college, every semester I changed my mind. And it wasn't that I was just wishy-washy. It's that I got out and got exposed to new things. I kind of like that. I want to try that. And I'm I'm 19, I'm 20, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring things out. And I wound up going a full circle. And today where I'm at is nowhere close to any of those things. It, it's hard to figure out what you're supposed to do in life. But here's kind of where this is coming from today. And here's, here's why we're going to spend the next uh, few weeks, this month of July, camped out kind of on this idea of learning how to discern God's will for your life. Because God has a plan for your life. Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I don't know how many of you guys are, are handymen. How many of you do projects? Maybe it's a woodworking or a metal project, or ladies, you guys do projects with, with different things, quilting, cooking, what, whatever the project may be. But I don't know how many of you just blindly start working and a masterpiece turns out. I know I don't. I, I'm not a, a master craftsman by any means, but when I do some sort of project that's woodworking or otherwise, I have an idea of how this is going to look when it's finished. And I may not have just a very solid, specific set of steps, but I know where I'm going with it. I know what I want it to be, so I've got a plan along that way. My wife's laughing because I just t- tend to wing it a lot, <laughs> and then I wonder why things didn't go right. 
But you have an idea. You have a master plan, right? This is saying what Paul's saying in this passage is we are God's handiwork. We are his creation. We are his workmanship, some other translations say. And it said there that he has a plan. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and God prepared in advance for us to do this. So here's kind of the gist of this. Over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into this, because I think more than ever, we as a society, we want to know what's next. We, as, even as Christians, we want to know what's next. We want to have some sort of say in what's next. And we see this. We see people going and, and paying for things like horoscopes or fortune tellers or, or, or whatever. Uh, sometimes we even go to restaurants to get answers from our food. I mean, how many of you go to Panda Express or Thai Barbecue and you get that little cookie at the end? That's dangerous because sometimes you get a message kind of like this after your meal. <laughs> In fact, I've, I've even heard about some people who just blindly use the Bible. They're like, I'm just going to flip through here and God, whatever I land on, I'm going to follow. Judas went and hung himself. I'm done. Nope. <laughs> we, it's like we, we just blindly follow, right? In fact, I read about a business guy who did that. God, my next decision in my business is going to be wherever I, I land. And he put his finger, and it wasn't a verse. It was a chapter heading and said chapter 13. <laughs> There's a joke in there. It takes you a minute. but. So here's the gist of this today, okay? Today, I'm just going to kind of put a disclaimer. Today's an overview. Today's sermon is an overview. This is a, a five-part series. We're going to go through the month of July and I really want to encourage you to be here. I know we've got a family camp coming up. If you're going to be at family camp, make sure you hit the podcast or our website or get a CD because every part of this is pivotal. We're going to give an overview today. The next three weeks, we're going to break down three methods of this. And the last week, we're going to put it all together. So please be here during the course of this series. Because what I want to do today is just kind of set the stage. I want to, to kind of set up where we're going to go with this and find out a little bit more about what God's will is and how it works for us. So what I want to do today is give three foundations, three foundations for understanding what God's will is. Here's the first one. The first foundation is this. God's will can be found. I think there's this misconception sometimes that we can't, we can't grasp God's will because he's God, he's big, he's huge, and we're not. And, and we just can't get it all the way around. We just sang a song a few minutes ago where we said, you're a good, good father. Now think about this. What good father doesn't want his kids to hear from him? What good father doesn't want to communicate with his kids? Uh, my, my dad's here in town this weekend, and uh, you know, they live 2,000 miles away. We do our best to communicate as often as we can, at least once, if, if not twice a week. Uh, with my kids, I do the same thing. I, I try to be with my kids as much as I can. I want them to, to see me and hear me and be with me. And more importantly, I want them to know that I want great things for them in life. I want them to know that, that, that they can have this drive and this desire to be and, and do what they want to do when they get older. So what good father doesn't want that? In fact, the Bible has plenty of, of, of spots where it tells us about this. Psalm 143, David, uh, the man after God's own heart, he said this, teach me to do your will, for you're my God. Now, David was more in tune with God's heart than pretty much anybody, and he understood this. He if he wouldn't have asked this, or if it wouldn't have been possible, he wouldn't have asked this. Teach me to do your will, he said, for you are my God. May your spirit lead me on level ground. I love that last part there, too. 
Because he's not saying, hey, let your will take me to the mountaintops. Let your will give me to the highest high so I can have everything. No, just put me on level ground so I can have a good sturdy foundation. So I can have a good sturdy start. Or how about in, in, in Colossians, Paul is writing this prayer to the Colossian church. Colossians 1 verse 9, he says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Again, there's Paul. He's praying that God would show his will to the people of Colossae, that he would show his will to the people there, and that his will would do what? Lead them in a life that's worthy and pleasing to the Lord. I mean, even Jesus said this, the Sermon on the Mount, when he's giving the Lord's Prayer, very key phrase that we say every time we say this prayer, he says, your will be done. In other words, Jesus is talking about, God, show your will to me. And when you pray this prayer, pray that God shows his will to you. God's will can be found, and moreover, God wants to show it to you. In fact, I think of it this way. God wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. God wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. Again, my my kids and I have this relationship. uh, my, My dad and I have this relationship to where it's, it's not as even as you, you'd think. I mean, it's, it's a little more one-sided father to, to, to kids, right? What I want for my kids is more than what they want for themselves. What my dad wants for me is more than what I want for myself. God wants this more for you than you want for yourself. That's the first principle here. Here's the second thing I want you to understand, the second foundation about God's will. It's good. God's will is good. Now, here's kind of where this can be a trick sometimes especially to those who maybe aren't Christians yet, those who are on the fringe, you know, you're trying Jesus out, I think there's this thought that God is like this, this killjoy, and that God's kind of like, you know, Buzz Killington up there in heaven just waiting to zap your fun. And I can relate to this because I was that kid on the other side, right? When I was in high school, I was the Christian kid. I didn't do fun things like go to parties and, and do all that. I was the boring one who sat in his house and played Nintendo all the time because that's what me and my friends did. And I think that, that some people are just like, God, just waiting to, to push that button on you. I don't think that's the case. Like, I've never met anybody who had this life of, of all of this, this craziness They said, you know what? My life was awesome. It was so fun. And then I became a Christian. Like, I've never met anybody who said that, right? Like, man, everything was great. You know, you should have seen what all I was doing. But the minute I got baptized, it's like, now I'm just boring. I've never heard that from anybody. I don't think I will ever hear that from anybody. I I think about this with, with my own kids sometimes. Like, I'm probably the buzzkill dad at some point. Like, my kids are running circles around my house screaming. I'm like, be quiet, stop running, go lay down and take a nap, something, okay? Last night, got out on the trampoline with them. I hate the trampoline. <laughs> I hate the thing. I was out there on it with them, even bouncing them. My dad even jumped out there with us. <clears throat> Doing this thing where Amelie's laying down in the middle of the trampoline, and I'm bouncing her, like, counting to three, and then the third one's a big bounce, and high enough, I catch her. She loves that. Do it with Elsie. Elsie weighs less than Amelie does even. I bounce her while she doesn't come up as high, and I grab her ankle. (laughs) That's all I got. But managed to get it high enough that nothing bad happened when she just flipped straight on down. But they love it, right? We're just out there having fun, and and I don't really enjoy that. They do. God's, again, the God's even more so than I am with my kids. 
even more of this, this, this opposite killjoy that I am, he is. He wants you to have fun. He wants you to enjoy being with him. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, uh, in verse 2, he's talking about when you come to God and not being conformed of this world, but transforming into God, he says this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His what? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. But here's the question, and here's the challenge for us. Do you trust that? If you're on that fence, if you're on that fringe of following God, do you trust him that what he's going to do for your life is good, that it is, is pleasing, and it is perfect? Because I think sometimes we think it's going to pull us away from this fun life of sin. And let's be honest, I mean, sin is fun, okay? If sin's not fun, I mean, you're not doing it the right way. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> okay, sin's fun. That's what makes it sin. But when you step back away from it, you realize it was fun in that moment. It's, it's like, you know, snapping your fingers. Once they click over, at least for me, that fun turns into shame and regret and embarrassment. And that's where I have to step back. And the challenge to this, the challenge to following God's will is you have to be all in. You can't just be on the fringe because if you're on the fringe, it's a lot easier for sin to pull you away from it. And it's gradual, and you don't realize you're being pulled away sometimes until you're way off the road, until you're way off track. And then that fun turns into a path of destruction. That fun turns into a path of death. I mean, you go back to this verse here. Paul says it's good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. He never says it's easy. He never says that following God's will is easy. But when you follow it, there is a promise with it. God's will will lead you to a place that's better than you can imagine. But it's also different than you can imagine. Here's the third principle, the third foundation principle that I want you to understand. This is where we're going to camp out the rest of the time, is this. God's will is talked about three different ways in Scripture. It's talked about three different ways in Scripture. Uh, the first one, is the providential will. So we'll call it the providential will of God. This is things, basically, God is going to do no matter what. God may select somebody to do this, but he's going to do this no matter what. Paul says in, in, in his letters that at just the right time, he sent Jesus. At just the right time. In other words, God didn't wait for somebody to make the decision. I want you to send Jesus. He just sent him. One of these days, Jesus will return to the earth. There's nothing I can do to facilitate that. We don't have a big button somewhere here in the church that I push and Jesus comes back. It doesn't work that way. God's going to send Jesus when he wants to send him, period. Uh, sometimes God uses people for this. Uh, just a couple of examples from the Bible. God chooses a guy named Abraham, and he says, you, pick up your family and move across the world and start something new for me. Uh, later on, he, he picks a girl named Mary, this teenage girl, he says, you, you're going to be the one that's going to have the Messiah. Through you, the, the world will be saved. Now, I don't remember Abraham or Mary, either one in Scripture, saying, God, I want you to do this for me. He picked them. Now, in both cases, they were likely already followers. They, they likely already believed in God and trusted God. But God picked them to do his will anyway. And that's an important thing to understand. They trusted God enough to say yes when he told them this was going to happen. Now, I don't know what would have happened if they would have told them no. I, I don't know. Thankfully, we don't, we don't have to find out. But here's kind of the point behind this. If you don't know what God's already up to, 
you might miss what he has for you. Mary and Abraham could both already trust God. So if you don't know what he's up to, you might miss out what he has for you. That's the providential will of God. He's going to do this no matter what. The second part of this is the moral will of God. The moral will. In other words, these are God's principles he puts in your heart for right and wrong. There are some things, some decisions and choices that you have to make in your life that, to be honest, you really do not need to pray about. God, my neighbor is just being a jerk. Is it okay if I go punch him in the throat? (laughs) I mean, you don't have to pray that prayer, right, okay? God, I'm really strapped for cash. Is it okay if I go rob a bank? You don't have to pray that. I don't want, maybe it's a little more tempting. God, is it okay if I go cheat on my wife? We have answers to this already. First Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, it's God's will. Keep that in mind. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that's holy and honorable. There are, I mean, you can go through the Bible. I'm not trying to nitpick on that one. You can go through the Bible And you can find examples of God giving us something that we need to do and follow. We don't have to pray about those to make sure we're getting them right or wrong, okay? We just need to follow what God says. There's another angle of this that sometimes is an annoying angle. 1 Peter chapter 2, it talks about us following the laws of our government. Sometimes we have laws in our government that we don't like. Every April, we get to file taxes. Ask First Service if anybody enjoyed that. Some people actually raised their hands. It was surprising, but... We file taxes, and if you don't, you're going to get in trouble for it. Uh, driving here today, I saw a speed limit sign that told me I had to drive 45 miles an hour. Some of you might choose to drive 55 or 60. I'm not going to say whether I did or not, but <laughs> maybe you wanted to get here and make sure you got a good seat. I don't know, but <clears throat> we have those types of laws, right? And the Bible tells us that we are supposed to follow those. Here's the catch on that. Make sure that those laws are still following God's will. They're following God's word. If there's ever a question about the moral will of God, you have to uh, look at, look at the, this fact here. God's moral will will never contradict God's word. <clears throat> if there's ever that question, right now as a society, we're starting to deviate off of this a little bit, even within the church. Because what happens is we have actually kind of pulled God's word out a little bit, and we have kind of inserted a little bit more of people's feelings and, 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 and equality and types of things into there. We've pulled God's word out. And our moral compass has actually moved a little bit. Our moral center has moved a little bit. Our moral compass should be grounded in God's word because his moral will never contradicts his word. Here's the third part of this. And this is the part where we're gonna kind of camp out over the rest of this series. But the third part of, of, of God's will in scripture is the personal will. And this is where it's challenging. The providential will, the moral will, that's the same for all of us. Okay, we can all study that and see that it's the same. The personal will is different for all of us. Uh, When I was a kid, uh, my mom used to to recite this verse to me all the time, one a lot of you have heard many times, Proverbs chapter three, verse six, when she said, would say, seek his will in all that you do, and he'll show you which path to take. Uh, Many of you have heard my story over the years, but I graduated from college and 2005, I was going to go into broadcasting. I uh, was dead set that I was going to uh, become big in, in college football and baseball broadcasting. Uh, in fact, I even made the joke one time that uh, one of these days you'll see uh, the name Witten on Monday Night Football. That's actually happened this year. 
It's not me, but there's another Witten who's now voice on Monday Night Football, so I at least, you know, that happened a little bit. Um, but that was my plan, and nothing materialized. And, and I went through turns and peaks and valleys, and I remember being like 25, 26 years old with a college degree, living with my grandma, because I could not find a job, and doors were slamming in my face left and right, and I just remember being so frustrated, to the point where, I mean, I had one night, I just had it out with God, I remember slamming my, my fist on the table and saying, I'm done, I'm done trying to figure this out. Why did you lead me down this path? Why did you take me here and have me do this to let doors slam in my face every day? I am sick of this. I picture God just kind of sitting back chuckling a little bit. But I wound up becoming a teacher, and I didn't want to become a teacher, but it was something I could do and at least get a job and, and, and do that. And through that door started opening down the road to get into ministry and I mean, again, after I finish Bible college, doors are slamming in my face. I think I've got a job, and then it gets pulled out from underneath me, and just kind of like one heartbreak after another to the point where finally the right door at the right time opened. And I've, I've told you guys this two years ago. It was just over two years ago when this process started, just under two years ago this process started. Two years ago at this time, I had never heard of Grants Pass, Oregon. But then this journey started. I mean, God's will takes you places that you did not expect to go. He takes you directions that you did not expect to go. Here's kind of the catch of it. God's will is almost always different than you expect. But here's where you find his personal will. You find his personal will sandwiched between his providential will and his moral will. If you're understanding that providential will, God's going to do things with or without your permission, and his moral will of he's given you this, this code of what's right and what's wrong based on his word, and you're keeping both of those, it becomes much easier to start figuring out your personal will. But again, here's the catch. It's probably not going to look how you think it's going to look. It's probably going to be different than what you're expecting. So I just want to give, as, as, as we get into this, this series, I want to give you a huge word of warning. If you're going to ask for God's will, you better be prepared for what he tells you. You better be prepared to say yes to something that you weren't expecting. Because here's what happens too often. We kind of lay back and rely on what we can control. And I'm just going to be very honest with you, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm going to be very honest with you. One of the worst pieces of advice you can get is somebody telling you, just follow your heart. Because if you're like me, your heart is corrupted, your heart is dirty, your heart is misaligned. Because my heart way too easily follows this world. If you're spending time daily in God's word, if you're spending time daily in prayer, and if you're spending time daily surrounded by godly people, then your heart is gonna be in a better place to lead you. And that's the next three weeks of this series. We're gonna talk about seeking godly wisdom, using the Bible and prayer to help understand God's will. If you're doing those three things regularly, your heart is in a better place to lead you. Right now, if, if you're not right now, then, then your heart will struggle to lead you in the right direction because your heart will get overpowered by your head and your head can tell you what you want rather than what you should do. So here's the thing. 
as we get into this series and as we start to break down what it means to understand God's will and to follow it, you need to understand one key principle. God is there with you and he is talking to you. You just need to make sure your ears are open. Because the issue is not that God is not speaking. The issue is often that we don't listen. I'm guilty of this. I'll be honest. I am guilty of this. I'm guilty of interpreting what I think God is telling me. And a lot of times God's sitting back and goes, I haven't even started talking to you yet. Be patient. I'm talking. You're not listening the way I want to hear. Parents, can you relate? You're talking and your kids repeat back to you what you said. You're like, that wasn't even close. (laughs) That's us with our kids or with, with God. Again, Proverbs chapter three, that great promise that we get in there, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him. That's key right there. If you got a Bible, underline that. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I wanna leave you before we we break out of here today. I wanna leave you with a challenge and the challenge, the takeaway this week is a prayer. And I'm just going to tell you this right off the bat. Don't pray this prayer unless you're deadly serious about it. And I I, I mean this because there's a catch to this prayer. But here's your prayer this week. You can write this down. You can pray this if you want to. Here's your prayer, your takeaway this week. God, your will is good. Would you reveal it to me? Here's the catch. Whatever it is, I will follow. You don't know what it's going to be. He might tell you, you know what? Pick up your family and move 2,000 miles away from the town you've lived in your whole life. You'll see your family once or twice a year. It's okay. He might tell you, sell everything you own and move across the world. Go serve my people in a country you've never heard of. He might tell you, quit your job. Go do this instead. He might tell you, no, don't major in that. I know you've always wanted to do it. You need to do this instead. He might tell you something that you have never even thought about and it scares you to death. So can you trust him? So don't pray that prayer unless you're willing to say that. And if you're willing to say that and mean it, that shows your trust in God. Following his will is about trusting him. And that's hard because, again, like we say, we're here to help you say yes to that next step. Sometimes you don't see where your foot's about to come down. I would say it's like walking through my kid's bedroom in the dark. I don't know what I'm about to step on. <laughs> but I have the faith in God, I'm gonna take that step and he's gonna be there with me when my foot hits the ground. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for Jesus. God, we're thankful for the will that you have for us, God, and, and that you reveal it to us. And God, I know for me, I, I'm thankful that it's a challenge. I'm thankful that it's not easy. Because God, when I make my own decisions, I make them based on what I know I can and can't do. I make them based on what I want to do, where my interests are, what I think is going to make me happy. But God, I know you can see beyond that. You can see beyond just what makes me happy and what I can do. You can see up that generational ladder. You can see the things that I haven't got to yet. You can see the things that I haven't seen yet. And God, you know that my boundaries and my limits are actually further than what I realize. And that you'll push me within those and you'll stretch them out so that I can learn how to trust you more. So God, I ask that this prayer could be one that could be prayed by everybody here today. That we would take that next step with courage and boldness 
even if we don't know where our foot's about to hit the ground, because you're there with us, that you are guiding us, you are leading us. God, I pray too that, that we could make the commitment to be here over the next five weeks, to break this down further so we can see how to trust your will and how to discover it and find it and follow it. God, I pray wherever we're at across this room that that next step is one we could take, that we would take it gladly, Lord. Not scared, not nervously, but gladly. God, we're thankful for Jesus. We pray in his name today. Amen.